When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest Liverpool Echo Everton podcast. Um, bumper squad today to talk about the West Brom game. Joined by obviously Phil Kirkbride, Tony Scott, Gavin Buckland and Ian Kroll. Um, hugely disappointing afternoon I'm sure for everybody who has watched, listened to, read about the match. Loads to talk about. Gav, we were just saying on the way in, it was just uh, really disappointing wasn't it when you reflect on what, yeah. what could have been. Yeah, it's um, it's been a season of one step forward, two steps back, hasn't it, really? And uh, coming out the press room on, on Saturday, Man United have got beat. I think we've got six points behind, and you're thinking, you know, West Brom at home. Yeah. One three on the bounce we have. They've not won five in the Premier League. The poor against Peterborough. Well, it's looking like nails on three points, isn't it? But it didn't work out like that, which is, you know, s- symbolic of the season, really. Uh, and um, on that basis, it was just a really frustrating afternoon. It was Phil. Obviously, you know it was kind of at the time you're trying to analyse it, make sense of it. But you had time for the dust to settle. Should take. Well, I haven't watched it back. I've got no intention of watching it back either. Um, but the, the frustrating thing for me was the fact that we've conceded a goal against a side who had little or hardly any attacking, attacking ambition. That's what that's what's killed it for me more than anything because we've put ourselves in a situation where. Look, I, I can I can understand when people say those games can happen, but I can't abide by it when you've conceded. Yeah. I could, you, you would be annoyed, but you could you could almost go if you'd have come away nil nil and battered them. Yeah, but still got a point. Well, you know, it's one of those. Take it on the chin. We've conceded a daft goal again, and that's what that's what really kind of annoyed me on Saturday and, and since. And the fact that we've just been the architects of our own downfall and then if you add into the fact that yeah we've had 34 attempts but we've only had six shots on target mm. now for an attack as good as ours and it is very good that's not good enough is it no I mean that's what annoyed that annoyed me as well but more than anything else it just it wasn't a surprise the way West Brom played was it it wasn't something that came out of the blue a complete tactile rethink it, it was something that you would have a lot of time in, you know in theory to prepare for and to find a way to break down as you say Shooting yourselves in the foot early by conceding the goal is the worst possible mm. way to kick off that sort of like challenge of breaking yeah. down West Brom. But at the very least, a point, especially at home against a team that had played 120 minutes yeah. in midweek, you know, where'd you start? Tell them. I, for me, what was interesting, I'd like to know what Roberto Martinez and the coaching staff were doing with the Everton players on the build up to this game. So obviously, you're looking at West Brom and everyone knew how they were going to set up, everyone knew they were going to sit saying. back. Yeah. And try and counter it, like all the rest of the teams have done at Goodison Park this season. So the only the, the only outlet they had was yeah. from a set piece. Yeah. So and then they go and score from it. So what's been going on all week to prevent this? Obviously something's not amiss when you're seeing this happen. And when when they say we forced that Roberto Martinez was saying, "Oh, this is a totally one-off." Well, I disagree because Swansea was exactly the same. He battered on these teams. Yeah, the Rittles on the break or they scored them from set pieces, and it stays Yardo again. It's just simply not good enough. Ian. Yeah, I mean it's 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 hard to disagree with all the points that you guys are making. I think I said before the game 
this was the first game in a long time that I was actually looking forward to, and you know we shoot ourselves in the foot again with a you know from a set piece that really just it came out of nowhere. And as much as the first half performance I thought was you know relatively okay going forward, we just again just conceded just a soft goal, and you're just climbing up uphill battling. And the second half performance was was poor, and obviously we'll probably touch on it again. Um, in this podcast, but you know, the substitutions just didn't work whatsoever. Um, thought the first five minutes of the game we came out all guns, guns blazing, and then we just kind of like took our foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah. Um, they scored, and then we kind of got a rhythm. Um, hit the woodwork twice, you know, had the thing cleared off the line, and kind of, kind of saying it's, it's obviously not going to be hard day. And in the second half, we just don't know, just not in there for us really. That was that was worrying, wasn't it? Because I think. I agree with Ian there. The first half performance largely in attacking sense, forget the forget the goal conceded in attacking sense was largely quite good, wasn't it? You know, we had them under the cosh quite early on. We played with tempo. And and towards the end of the first half, it was almost like it was the end of the game the way they were throwing yeah. bodies forward. And I was like, This is really this is where you need to play against teams yeah. like West Brom when they're gonna come and sit in. But that that sort of tempo and that intensity and that kind of creativity just died in the second half. And I don't know whether after an hour, 65 minutes, when it wasn't happening, the crowd weren't quite as behind the players. You know, that had an influence, because I thought the crowd were actually really good for long spells on Saturday, which, you know, which was quite quite sort of comforting, in the fact that we went off 1-0 down, but they got applauded off. But they just, that was that was another factor, the fact that kind of ran out of ideas, really. Yeah, yeah, but if you go back, though, just going back to the start of the game, as you said before, the key thing was the goal we conceded, wasn't it? So, what did we do wrong the way we set up for a corner on Saturday? You never had him on the post. Did yeah. you? That was part of it. But... Yeah, and I know Joel's had a bit of stick, hasn't he? That, well, listen, yeah. I, I wrote that I felt it was like goalkeeping woes continue. Yeah. And a few people on Twitter took me to task and said it wasn't Joel's fault. It was it was the defence. For me, the goal if that was Tim Howard, he's getting pelters for that. Yeah. He's getting dogs abuse for that. Joel seems to think it was going out. And he's on his line as well for mm. starters. Another thing that people accuse Howard of being far too often or, or behind his line, yeah. if you like. But he's misjudged the flight of it, I think. And yet yeah. it was there was a poor chain of defending kind of before it immediately and kind of after it, if you like. But yeah. the goalkeeper's got to judge the flight of them. Yeah, we got look at as well as that Funes Mori gets done by Olsen. And then I think with James McCarthy that leaves Rondon on the far post. So there's, there's two errors yeah. to it as well as the goalkeeper. Yeah. But we, as I said, we all knew and we said this last week, we knew how West Brom were going to set up. Yeah. So why aren't they doing this in training? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's it, you know it goes back to what we were saying. You know, they're going to be the threat from the from the set piece, yeah. aren't they? So you know, you have a look at the way we set up. If you've not got two men on the post, that gives you two extra men to mark in the area. So therefore, it's unforgivable that one of their players should get get in mm. front of ours, really. Yeah, yeah. So Olsen, we had no player in front of Olsen, did yeah, we? Yeah, no. So you know where that free, uh, the, the, the corner's going straight away, don't you? Yeah. We've got Funes Mori behind him. We've got Olsen, who's probably taller than him. So you know it's going to hit him, but we've got no man in front. Yeah. So, you know, we've got the worst of both worlds. We've not put two men on the uh, the posts, but we've not used them to spare men effectively to mark their players well, in the box. We should say that I won't give away... Michael Ball's column, but it sounds like you and Ball you had your heads together because that's exactly what he's just said. He said we had enough bodies in the box, we had practically everybody back, but there's nobody in front of Olsen because if you watch it back, he said it's actually not a particularly good corner. 
he said, because there's nobody in front of us and he gets the opportunity to make it into yeah. something. Well, that's, I also describe it as like a free goal, but, you know, fans and everyone rightly so, you know, we do place blame on individuals too much. I think collectively that team should have dealt with that corner yeah. and the blame shouldn't just go on Joel or McCarthy or Funes Mori for not dealing with it. It should have been the defence and the team as a whole. Yeah. You said yourself, everyone was back for that. Yeah. There's no point in having everyone back if you don't know their role in that in that particular, you know, set set play. Um, like I say, it was just it just came in, it was whipped in, and it was like I say, it wasn't a particularly great corner, um, and it ended up in the back of the net that's because what, no one knows what to no, do. No, that's what I was saying about before in the training. Obviously, there was a worked on this. So get in front of one of the first men, and obviously it hasn't been talked about, it hasn't been yeah. dealt with. So are they are they practicing these? De- you would, you would like you would have to say it would be madness to not practice defending set pieces when you know you're playing West Brom on a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, it's just maybe are they, are they, they employing a different system? You'd have to, surely. Know. Are they employing a different system that, that requires that it doesn't require a man in front of the first man, or is that somebody just hasn't done their job? Or just leave the tallest man on the pitch. Probably somebody hasn't done their job then. Mm. Yeah. It's just to say, you don't see many goals in the Premier League like that, do you? Mm. It's just, I mean, I know you say it was a free goal in some respects, but we engineered our own downfall. But you, you just don't see a goal like that very often it's in the Premier League. It's like you've seen a Sunday League match or yeah. players, like someone getting on the front post yeah. and clear if, if, if it's like a bad corner. Yeah. And that's yeah. what it's normally that gets dealt with. John, John Terry's made a career out of being yeah. that man, hasn't he? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it was just, and from them, it's in the game. And like, I agree, I thought the first, like, 25 minutes or so after they scored to half time I thought I thought we played really well yeah. and I thought we were genuinely unlucky on a couple of occasions but in the second half we just appeared to lose we'll, touch on, we'll touch on the, what I suspect is going to be the major yeah. theme about the substitutions just in a minute but me, me and Scotty were having a kind of conversation last night probably too late really for the <laughs> normal people who are a bit obsessed with these things but I was saying to him that my biggest concern about it wasn't Obviously, conceding the goal was awful in, in the circumstances they did. For me, it was then being unable to break down West Brom because yeah. I've, you've seen it so often this season. And it goes right back to not buying you know, a playmaker in the summer, not having somebody in there who can find that pass. I still don't believe Ross Barkley is a number 10. No. Um, and Pienaar was sat on the bench kicking his heels and, and didn't get on. Like I said, we won't talk about subs just yeah. yet. But that was what concerned me. The fact that you can't score past a West Brom, who you know what they're going to do, you were saying, well, actually, no, it was worse that you can't defend the yeah. set piece. Yeah, I think that's worse. Yeah, because you you don't get beat if Everton don't create much. Well, at least they've got a point out of that. You don't get beat at least. You shouldn't. Do you know what I mean? That, yeah, that's your first thing. You you got to make sure you saying, don't get yeah, beat. When you're looking at this, creating all these chances, thirty-four shots it's only on target. Sure West Brom are on target. Yeah. Yeah, but Phil, you're looking at you're going thirty-four yeah, shots at yeah. a goal for Everton. Yeah, yeah. How I many was? Six, six on target. Six yeah. on target. Yeah. Ben Foster, would you recall him having nah. a save to make? He didn't, he didn't, he didn't have a skill. He, he tipped one no. over from a deflected lens. What was Everton's yeah. clear cut chance throughout the game? Near the end. The best, the best well, chance they actually the, created was when Rom and Ross played a 1 2 on the edge of the area. Yeah. It was the only time in the second half they opened them up and Ross put it over the bar. Yeah. So for all that 76% Barkley possession, that's Barkley all you. In the post yeah. 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 That's, that's a shot from 30 yards out. I mean, like creating a clear cut chance. Where was the. Yeah, and then, yeah, that's right. I mean, going back to Greg's point about not seeing us as a, a number ten, and I, I think you're right to a degree. I just Bouts' performance on Saturday and sometimes in games like that is he plays too deep for me. I mean, there was a number of occasions like West Brom 
sort of, as you know, like packing a penalty area, and he's picking up the ball in the, in the middle of the pitch. Mm. When we've got McCarthy and Barry on on in the pitch, because he should be he should be further up. You know, that's McCarthy and Barry's job to to get the ball back yeah. and, and and return it. You know, into the, the into space. And there was something in the first half I noticed, and it, it, it happens occasionally with him. Is you may remember this. He, he beats about two or three of their men at the edge of our penalty area, sort of swear. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And then yeah. he plays it wide right to Coleman. And I'm looking at him. And he should be bombing on. And momentarily, you forgetting about press box neutrality, I was pointing at him mm. going, Start, you know, he should be sprinting. Yeah. And he's only he's only jogging mm. up the pitch. And, and Coleman plays Lukaku in the edge of our area. And you would expect Ross at that point to be like sort of five or ten yards behind him just to lay the ball off. And he's... Mm. He's only just got over the halfway line, and I think that's some. Sometimes, even though we have got McCarthy and Barry on the pitch, he can still play too deep, and it's, it goes back to what you. That's saying, why I don't believe he's a ten though, yeah, because if Martinez yeah. hasn't, if Martinez wants to use him as a ten, yeah. like he sort of has a little bit lately, if you can't coach that out of him, that tendency yeah. to come too deep to try and pick up the ball, yeah. then don't play him there because he's not the answer. I would, I would argue in his defence, he's actually improved in that. You know, if he, the number of goals he scored in the area this season is an example of him trying to get further forward. But I do remember what you yeah, did. Yeah, he's just, about, you know, I'm, I'm literally screaming in my yeah. head. You know, we should be bombing on. And I'm, it's not, you know, let's face it. It's not he's in the Ross, is it? It's not, been brilliant this season. Yeah, and it is. And, he, you know, and sometimes, he, you know, sometimes he looks like an adult playing with, like, yeah, he's getting kids yeah, on when yeah. he gets the ball on the air. He just yeah. the criticism but, for him is unwarranted yeah. because he's the one who's trying to make stuff happen. Yeah, and he's not one of them. He's not a defender who, when he gets the ball, is is able to just kick it anywhere. He needs to make things tick and make things happen. And when it doesn't, it's only heightened for the fact that you know three balls not worked or the ball that wide's not not happened or he's been tackled because he's surrounded by two or three players. You know, he just gets well, he gets slagged off too much. For me I just think he fans. needs he needs more support for me. There's too much expectation yeah. on. And the majority of the season when we're playing against the lesser clubs or the teams that are coming to defence, there's no need at all for two defensive midfielders. Well, there's no, that. Uh, again, you've yeah, got yeah, Gareth Barry yeah, and Jason okay. McCarthy. What's the point? You're playing against a team that have got 11 men behind the ball. There's no need for it. Why not bring an attacking midfielder on to give Ross and Ant? There's yeah. too much expectancy on them. I would, have, I would have preferred to have seen Osman and Pienaar come on earlier. Which someone to support Ross. Let's get on to the substitution then that we naturally have anyway. Um, Phil, you, you believed Alvich Osman did come on. <laughs> too late, I For think, you, it was yeah. too late. He made an impact for you, but it was, like you say, it was too late in the day. De Lefeu, for you, was too late in the day as well. Yeah, I think he's... Look, he's come off the bench you know, early on this season, had impact, but he hasn't really played much in the past couple of games. I just felt that he needed more than 15 minutes and he got a whack, which takes a couple of minutes out of his performance, doesn't it? Cause yeah, you know, yeah. He's like, Cause he's sort of I just felt it, yeah. was, it was the type of game, though, that didn't need necessarily another winger coming on. It needed somebody who can pay, play between the lines, somebody who's comfortable with the ball at the feet with three or four men around them and won't lose it. And I think that, as Tony said, Ross needed more help in that respect because there was, there was an occasion where... Uh, James McCarthy got in behind the first line of their defence. He got into the area with his back to goal. Now, if you've got a playmaker, stroke 10, stroke, somebody like of that ability, they're turning immediately and trying to get in facing West Brom's goal. His first reaction was put his foot and he passed it backwards. Yeah. And that's massive. Well, you've got past the first line of defence. That's not James's game. So that's, not his, that's not his fault and that's not a criticism of him. But I felt he, it shouldn't have been him in that position. It should have been somebody like Pina. Or, or Osman type low centre of gravity somebody who's going to 
use their body and, yeah. and move. Might want a penalty, who knows, you know. The other thing that I wanted to give you the chance to get across, a lot of fans angry that Kevin Morales didn't get on. Mm. You know, They're saying, look, he's a, he's a flair player, he, he can make things happen. But you had quite an interesting take on why you don't think he came on. The game is too compact and too tight for Kevin Morales. Morales' best performances and his, his most, most effective uh, areas are when it's on the counter-attack and space. Now, that sounds yeah. stupid. You know, it makes him sound like, well, of course, everybody can play in space. But he's quick. He, he, if, you, you know, if there's space in behind, that's when Morales is his best. Think about Chelsea away when he played really well. That break when Besic played him through, that yeah. space wasn't available inside <laughs> I thought it would have been counterproductive bringing him yeah. on. I understand that a lot of supporters have, have got a soft spot for Kevin, or you know, and really like him. And, and but I think there's a little bit of rose-tinted glasses with Kevin. I think we 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 too often remember his performances and not in the context in which they came. Yeah, it's a fair point to me. If I remember, like the last two games against West Brom before Saturday, both goals straws, hadn't he? Where he's had like negligible or impacting yeah. both, wasn't he, last season? But was it the fact? This was. was, was the frustration is the fact that for whatever reason the Coney substitution didn't work. Is that part of the <sighs> is that part of the, the problem here? Yeah, is that probably you know, yeah. yeah. That was double that double dip yeah. you know. Yeah. Well we lost all impetus, I think, when that substitution yeah. was made. There was no way anything was happening down that left hand side of the pitch. I've not seen a player go backwards quite as dramatically as he has in in a good while. Yeah. I was trying to think When I say backwards, I mean from that little yeah. purple patch he had last yeah. year, you know, yeah. no, I was just trying to think what Phil was saying then logically why did Roberto make that substitution, um, which will bring me on to Lukaku because I thought Lukaku had the poor game on Saturday. Um, you know, without slagging him off too much, he made a few comments in the week about you know wanting to play Champions League football, and you know just reading them comments has his head been turned now. The fact that we are not you know you know in the in the um, in the game to 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 even anywhere near Champions League football. Um, and he had a poor, he had a poor game for me. He wasn't running, he wasn't making any runs, and that made it difficult for players like Barkley, um, our wingers, to you know put balls and crosses in. And I think me personally, trying to think logically, he brought Coney on to try and help Lukaku, um, and it just it just didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah, no, it's, good, it's a good point. I mean, I think with Rom, it may not necessarily be down to a psychological thing. It's like his learning process is a slight. You talk about Kevin Morales. You know, most effective in space. It's the same for Rom, isn't mm-hmm. it? You know, if you give him the space, he's excellent. But a packed defence, he hasn't. He's still only what twenty-two. He's still learning mm-hmm. the ropes. You know, what he should do is say he should. I mean, he probably does this anyway. He should what Sergio Aguero say? Yeah. Like who's who really knows how to make space in the crowd, the yeah, crowd yeah. to box. You know, with movements and sorts, just little thing he runs. And Rom hasn't got when he got that in his game yet to me. He's, Sometimes he, I feel like he, he wants it handed to him on a plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is, I, you could say that that's laziness for me. I had this yeah. this same conversation with mate of mine Saturday night who sat there and you know like myself not not one of the tallest in the world and he said he could have felt like he could have marked Ram on Saturday. He said because if you just get behind him, he said he his first touch when he tried to bring it down wasn't the best. Mm-hmm. We know about Ram's touch over the years, but. That was straight away, that was pinging off his chest and going 10 yards away. Yeah. He wasn't putting, this is what he felt, it's not necessarily what I felt to be yeah. fair, but he wasn't putting pressure on any of the defenders. He wasn't working and he was seen to want it, as you say, on a plate and he's gesturing to players around him, I want it yeah. here, I want it there, without doing the effort. And he almost felt, well, if you were playing alongside him, you'd almost get to the point where you get exasperated with him and reluctant to play him in. Mm. 
because people like Aaron Lennon do a lot of the hard way, and he did seem to have a bit of a sulk on at times. And the thing is, when you say play him in, it's interesting because all all uh, passes or you know through balls are just into his feet. I, I don't know this, so but it'd be interesting to see how many times he was actually offside. Because I don't know. Because if, if at least strikers are making runs, and that okay, you know, difficult to be offside against West Brom. Yeah, I understand yeah. that, but he didn't make any runs yeah. for me whatsoever. And you know, if you obviously they are sitting deep West Brom, so it is difficult. But at least try, try and do something different because it's not working. I th- I think you you've been quite harsh on Rom. I think he obviously he has about three or four centre halves just swarming him on Saturday. He had. No support towards him at all. As I said, the only one was Ross. So he, I, 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 I understand. He brought Conor on, yeah, yeah. on but, but no. But you look at it this season, Greg. We, we've talked about Rom's form, and we said there'll be a time in the season where he will go through a loss of form. Now I'm not being funny. Right up until the last, well, it's only four or five weeks now where he's at a bit of a flat spot. That was inevitable. He's a 22 year old striker that's banged 20 in the season, hasn't he, Gav? Yeah, yeah. And I'm not being funny. It was inevitable. He did four or five weeks where. His form had dipped. No, I'm not being funny. Any striker would hit that form. And he's playing against West Brom, who was just swarming yeah, him. I think I'd like to see him work his way a bit. Yeah, obviously, yeah, yeah, he, would, but, right. he probably got frustrated yeah. because the defence is swarming and he's not getting no support. He'll, he wouldn't. Yeah. He'll come alive on Saturday because there'll be space. Yeah. yeah. It'll be a far more open game at Bournemouth and he'll have, he'll have the river to run in the channels. It'll be a different animals. He loves running the channels, but sort of hark back to what Ian said. I really loved the interview that you did with him last week. Not slapping each other on the back here, but I loved the way Ross talks and sorry, Ron talks. And he's a really intelligent, articulate, ambitious striker who I would love to see at Goodison for many, many a season. But talk the talk in midweek and then to produce a performance like that, it's so frustrating. But we know you said there was three or four defenders on him at all times. By you know, therefore, is it not more space for everybody else? Are the other players not more culpable for this? Because he was he was attracting four defenders. Yeah, yeah. So this is the no there was no support yeah. to him. Where was, if Ross is coming deep for the ball, and Rom's being marked by two or three defenders, where's the support coming from? This is where a Stephen Pienaar or even a Leighton Baines or a Kevin Morales should have been on. Which gets me back to Kone. Martinez alluded to the fact that Nias might be fit enough to feature in some capacity on Saturday. Then he's not on the bench, and yet we ask him afterwards, and he says he wasn't fit enough, didn't want to risk him. I don't know why he said in the first place that he might be. For me, if he was 50% fit, 50% is a bit exaggeration. That's a, that is a gamble. Mm. But if he even 60 70% fit, I'd rather him on the bench, and I'd took him up, brought him on, because mm. a new signing, a big money signing comes on, it lifts the crowd. Yeah. It's, a, it's the element of the unknown, because West Brom wouldn't know what to expect from him. They wouldn't know what he's going to do. And you just wonder, everyone knows what to expect from Kona. With the best will in the world at the moment, it's yeah. not very much, shall we say. I don't Apart from giving was... the ball away and looking forlorn. People might laugh at this, but I don't even think that was the worst substitution. Kona, I think Benning and Delafeu on and Lennon off. Just that completely. Well, Lennon and yeah. the, the, the five of us here, and I spoke to a lot of fans outside the ground straight after the game. The Aaron Lennon substitution was just absolutely baffling. It's probably the worst we were speaking before. It's probably the most baffling substitution I've ever seen, probably since Moyes when he in, against that top yeah, game many years ago. I've got it, but that substitution was just baffling. I can't understand it for the life yeah. of me. Lennon's been Everton's best player the last three or four weeks, and he was the best player on the pitch, and he takes him off. Yeah. Someone explain to me. I, I, I think I think the bear said afterwards like it was his fitness and bit of a 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 bit of a
Part of the logic for the substitutions on Saturday was like at the game with the Hawthorns, the three players who turned the game was De La Feo, Kone and Lukaku. And I think maybe he just had that on the back of so his mind. So don't you think Pulis has worked on that? Well, you don't, that could be the case. And I just think that maybe have been, not saying it did, but that was just my, my mm. hunch that those three players turned the game in the last, last 20, 25 minutes. Um, I, I, you know, we've spoken before about what, you know, if you kept Lennon on the pitch, there's an argument, isn't we? You said before here on the, on the podcast is David Fair was actually to play closer to Rob because he's got like a little bit of trickery, you know, in yeah. in, cl- in close spaces. And actually, yeah. that might have been a, a decent substitution, to be honest with you, for me. It's to keep Lennon on the pitch, but bring David Fair on, but don't play him wide, just play him, play him behind, just for something slightly different. And I th- but I, it wasn't the best set of substitutions, was it really? When you think um, about it, you've got Kevin Rellers, Leighton Baines, and Stephen P now on the bench, and they're sitting there. And they're watching Aruna Kone get a share to Adam. No, they must be thinking, I'm not being funny. What's going on there? Yeah, Surely I'm worth a try. Yeah. I'll have to put Baines on the left there to Kone, right. to be honest with you. Exactly. That's how bad he is at the moment. I've yeah. done nothing against Baines, by the way. No, just that. Kone doesn't look like scoring yeah. on the Sunday. But does that. Is, well, what do you think about Oviedo on Saturday talking about like Baines? Do you think that was like. To, Oviedo done enough to, to I, earn the shares on. I, so. I, I think he had, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it would have yeah. been harsh yeah. on Oviedo to take him off the team. Yeah. I think he's probably our best corner corner kick taker as well. And put in a good great one in the first half, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. He huge. did put in a few poor set pieces as well, actually, as the game wore on. He wasn't as, high as, as did everybody. Yeah. 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 But now I share your bemusement on that. Lennon, obviously, he did look a little bit, to me, he did look like he was tiring a little bit, but I still don't think you take off your best player. In that situation, no, I mean, but, but it was what 15 minutes ago, yeah. but for me, that just hi- highlighted the fact that Roberto wanted to make a change to bring De La Feu on, but he didn't have a left footed version of De La Feu, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so could he play yeah. him on the left? Well, no, I think his left foot's weak. I, I wondered that on the Saturday, well, but, but cut inside, try Lennon on the left hand. Surely, they would, West Brom were practically you couldn't <laughs> well, get any more deep. Do you know what I mean? Why don't you play PR then? PNR is the really strange one. Yeah. These players aren't. Right, you can only make three changes, obviously, but if they're, if they're not fit enough or ready to make an impact, why are they on the bench? Mm. Yeah. It's, the PNR one baffled me. If I'm going to throw at you, Greg, if Everton are playing West Brom again next week at home, well, the, and the same, situ- the, time, right, and the same situation happens again, yeah. where we go 1 0 down, what do you think Roberto Martinez would have learned? How would he change that back again? What would he do definitely? In the same circumstances? Yeah. yeah. And the same bench. Yeah. Well, I'd like to hope that he would have left Lennon on. You know, he maybe would have looked to get De La Faye on earlier, but in a different capacity, like we say. Do you think he'll learn from that when we play against a lesser opposition again or could in the season? Because I, 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 I worry, I, 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 worry will. I worry because like we started this podcast off, it wasn't a great shock how West Brom set up mm. and once again we're sat here bemoaning the fact Seamus Coleman said it to give him credit. He said, it's a hard luck story, and it? it's starting to fall a bit flat, same old thing. Yeah. So you can't talk about how good this team is when we're just having the same hard luck story every time. Yeah, I, I agree. Look at Tottenham. Tottenham aren't struggling. You know, no. you look at the two squads, and it's almost apart from Tottenham's defence at the moment, is miles ahead of ours. But if you look at the attacking ability, do you know what I mean? More or less. I think Ericsson's, I mean, Ericsson's a key player. Because he's a number 10. And that's the type of thing. And that's you what know, they yeah. should have signed in the summer. Yeah, you know, and you know, do the thing. said that all so yeah. long. The other thing on, on Saturday was another play we probably missed was Besic. 
is a bit more, you know, my not my you know what's forward, won't you? But my not my hobby horse for James McCarthy, but you know that he should be doing a lot yeah, more. Yeah. In your, yeah. You know, and I, I don't want to go over old ground there because Gareth Barry was a bit more dynamic really than Bar- I mean, Barkley on on Saturday. I mean, he had two or three opportunities, mm-hmm. and he was, you know, and. Bessit is a bit more dynamic, isn't he, in the holding in and around the box, isn't he, than than, than yeah, McCarthy. Yeah, just looks for a full pass. Yeah, ball, and, and you know he's a bit he'll sort of get him he'll get himself uh, around the, the opposition box. And I thought we missed in a tight game. I thought we missed Bessit on Saturday, just bringing a little bit of energy. Mm. You know. Mm. Well, this is my argument for there's no need for the two defensive midfielders no. when we're playing these teams, and he continually, continually does it. And we've won four home games all season. There's a reason. Do you know what I mean? Why not have a go, take a defensive midfielder off and throw an attacker on? It's obviously not working. So, on Saturday, but, but the first substitutions were taken, I would imagine, would have taken McCarthy, McCarthy off yeah. before Barry yeah. and then bring Obviously, it's Dale there's Fay no need on. for the two of them. It hasn't worked yeah. all season at home. Yeah. So, what's the need? I he has obviously learned his yeah. lesson, has he? Did I think, he? Sorry, no, sorry. I think that, no, that's definitely been the case for a while now. Yeah. Um, especially against the, you know, the lower league teams yeah. who sit back and have got no ambition to go forward. Yeah. Um, I think definitely agree with you on that one. Just, just on an interest, I just remembered about the, the see that stats. I think that I think everybody, every one of our players had an attempt on goal on yeah. the on Saturday. Yeah, yeah. It was only Joel that didn't have an attempt yeah. on goal, wasn't it? You know, which just shows. Was yeah. playing that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the worst stat than that was what was the one about, what, since um, October. Since going behind. You can take your battle, all, all the bad stats you like. Oh, four ten wins, months. Ten months, four wins. Four league wins league, are good yeah. in ten months. Mm, and and you wonder why fans are starting to get. So, and I, as Phil Ian's, I think said, it was actually a better atmosphere at Goodison in many ways. They stuck with. They tried to stick with the team. Now I think you you might. No, no, it was a, it was a, I think Phil said it. It was a, it was a better atmosphere, helped like by the fact that West Brom were time wasting. And the, the fans were getting on the referees' back. Mm. That's the type of a Goodison I like. Yeah. Fans being not not nasty, you know, but you know. It gave them something to get right, riled exactly. about, didn't it? Yeah. You know, ben, uh, Foster, isn't it, in goal? Yeah. yeah. He, he wasn't really taking that long in taking his goal <laughs> kicks, but the Everton fans just picked up on it, and that's the type of atmosphere I want at Goodison every week. Mm. Not on the players' back, because we know that's happened in the past. You know, getting behind the team and you know being angry and making. Yeah, it's a good point. The players forward. I mean, that was the thing. The other thing, and as fans, we are, we're all guilty of this, aren't we? It's like we've been crying out all season for Everton to be a lot more resilient and have like a bit more of a nasty streak about it. When West Brom like that on Saturday, they end up getting booed. Don't they? It is funny, isn't it? Like that, you want it both ways as a supporter. Is that some of their characteristics that they showed on on Saturday was some of the things that we want yeah. in Everton. Some not all the time. But, you know, I think part of the atmosphere because it's like that as Ian touched on as, it, as well as was it like that I love good to see when it's like that it's like a bear pit and the opposition hate coming but it's, it's been like that this season obviously but I think because we it looked as though we'd turned the corner with three wins on the spin and now that's just any hope or any exasperations of we had of European football now it's just gone completely completely gone now Frust- frustrates me is hearing that Afterwards, it being about missed chances, unlucky, fine margins didn't get aired, but that phrase would really have irked me. And also talking about West Brom time-wasting, West Brom tactics, as if like there's a high and mighty stance that they haven't got every right to come and play that way. Mm. You oh, sound like a broken record. You knew what they were going to do. Yeah. If you can't break them down, 
you're not good enough to be anywhere other than yeah. where we are yeah. in the table. Yeah. Do you think that where Everton are right now on the table, that's where they deserve to be? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely where they deserve yeah. to be. I'm, I mean, it, it, you could argue that, you know, that maybe a couple of places below the way, you know, the way it's mm. panned out. I mean, and I think, that, we don't want to talk about Saturday, but we, we, in terms of the league campaign, we've got like, quite, we've got Villa next, is it? Villa, Sunderland, like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and, that was the frustrating thing on Saturday, wasn't it? Not only was coming on, you think if we win, but like just behind United. When you've seen the games behind that, yeah, you know, the next three or four games, you're thinking, actually, we could have. I've said this wins. all season. And that's league, the thing, Tony. I mean, as you said, you know, touched on it before, the, the steps back, and it, yeah. it's just irritating the fans now. It looks as if they, they've reached boiling point, and they've got Saturday's game. That's what they're looking forward to. That's it now. And if this goes belly up. Then that'll be it. Then the season will be yeah, over. So it's getting to the point where we're throwing our eggs in one basket, yeah. all of our eggs in one basket again, like we did with the Europa League last season. Um, we just we do that season after season. It's so frustrating because you know, okay, we, we might get through against Bournemouth, but we've got a quarter final. Get through the quarter final semi. Will we turn up for the semi? So this is it, and really, you're going to get a difficult opposition. Maybe at the quarter final stage, certainly at the semi final stage, and we've proved this season already that. We weren't capable of getting past the, not even the best side by a mile in the, in the league. Yeah. Fourth best team currently. So, well, <laughs> we need, we need to cheer up, don't we? <laughs> we need to cheer up. Yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, we, you know, I know what you're saying, but there's just not that much at the moment. I think to really kind of offer no. offer you optimism for the it, season. It was like Ian said. I was really looking forward to Saturday's game. You know, well, yeah. I was thinking, oh, great, we started off really well. And that goal just... Uh, they were so good at Stoke, weren't they? Yeah. And against the club, traditionally, that have caused us all sorts of problems at the Britannia as well. And that's, that shouldn't be forgotten how good they were at Stoke, I suppose, you know, amidst all this, a bit of context. But it's just worse that then the most predictable of outcomes again emerged, didn't it? Yeah. Everton against a team that sits back, puts 10 men behind the ball, and it was the well, usual... No, as I said, Greg, it's, it's no different from what we've all witnessed all season. It's no different at all. We've seen it the same lineup, the same formation, the same players, the same tough substitutions, and this is what you're going to get. Yeah. We've won four home games, four home games all season. It's absolutely disgusting. The worst home defence in Europe. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it's abysmal. That was one That was one of the killer stats I was trying to think of before. Yeah. In five European leagues. It's yeah, the five most... top European leagues, the worst home defence. Honestly. Yeah. It's crazy you've got the worst home defence, but we've got the fifth best. Uh... Goal scoring record in the league. Yeah, right. and, and we've got an England it's international, yeah. two England internationals, and a highly rated Argentinian international and two top fullbacks. Well, three or four. So top that, that, that's that to me tells you that they're not defending properly in training. That yeah. tells me that they're not working on the Something's set going wrong. They're not home. doing the jobs properly at home because the away from home. And you know, I don't want to sound like a broken record on this, but our way away goals against is one of the best, if not the best, in the Premier League. It shouldn't matter you know, from set pieces, should it? That's, no, that's the well, thing. Maybe because you're away from home, you may, may have a bit more... Yeah. A couple of plays behind, you know, yeah. in the penalty area. I'm not sure, but we just look far tighter defensively away from home. Yeah. Away from home. Why, I don't why can't we find the right discipline to play away from... Or play at home like we do away? But this is, this is Greg's point, isn't it, that you've, you've gone on for most of the season, isn't it, about striking that right balance between I mean, attack and defence, which we've only fleetingly done. I mean, Spurs are home. Tottenham is the one. And like, get, yeah. Even Newcastle and, and definitely Stoke, where we appear to have the balance right between attack and defence. Mm. 
especially uh, especially at home. And um, but I know Saturday's game wasn't like that, but there's a point there, isn't it? And I don't think we've we've, we've got the balance right. Well, we haven't got the balance because I don't know what style of football Roberto wants us to play because he wants us to keep the ball and possession football, but away from home. You know, That's the opposition we has sixty percent possession. Yeah. We have forty, and we just we batter teams. Yeah. They're so different to watch, aren't they? I, I love watching Everton away from. They're refreshing. They're hitting teams on the break. It's honestly, it's really, really good to watch. But at home, they're sending me asleep. They're so, so predictable. But and if it, we can see it, and the opposition can see it, and the fans can see yeah. it, why can't the manager? It just goes from one extreme to the other. Though, why do we go from you know the counter attack and brilliant style of football, which like flair? To at home where we've got a, I know everyone, every team approaches each game differently. And West, we knew, like say, we knew West Brom were going to come up to Goodison and sit back. But why couldn't you know we try and play that like sit back game, counter attack and football, lure them onto us? You know, I read something just to elaborate on this um, a while back about Bayern Munich, one of the best you know counter attack and football teams in Europe. Yeah. that's how they play football. Yeah, play football, and I can't remember it was. I think it was the fullback Lizarazu, the French guy, and he said something along the lines as he was told that Bayern Munich sometimes would deliberately give the ball away so that they could lure the, the team See, on. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. saying I want us to do that. Yeah. But you know, there's a discipline there mm. and there's a way of playing. Roberto knows that we play brilliant counter attack on football and it works. Why can't we yeah, do that at all? It's I mean to be fair it's not it's not a problem that's just um, solely for Everton, isn't it? It's, just, it's for a lot of Premier League teams, isn't it? Is that they find it a lot more comfortable playing away from home than playing at home mm. because that's the way the way tactics have evolved over the last five years or so. It does favour the away team, you know. Not to have the ball is a is a positive. Leicester, uh, you know, and, you know, Leicester maybe we were like Leicester, weren't we? Yeah. It's dope to be fair, mm. you know. I thought, yeah. Um, and but, but we, we we've said this a long time, haven't we? Probably all season as we do struggle at home against teams who park the bus. Where actually we do score goals against teams that'll let you play. So like the bigger teams of Goodison, we tend to score. We scored twice against City in the League Cup, didn't we? You know, we scored three against Chelsea. Um, we we do tend to score goals where we find it really difficult. Is West Ham, but the likes of West Brom with three clean sheets now at Goodison in the last three years. I think two under Pulis is it? Yeah. You know. Stoke, you know, he's done this with Palace as well a few times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, well, he's won three times, hasn't he? Goodison, yeah. three different clubs in the last five years, hasn't he? Pulis, yeah. you know. So he's, he's, he's you know, he's certainly got the measure of us, but it's just well, frustrating. It's not rocket science, though. No, 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 no. If you're an opposition manager yeah. and you're rocking up to Goodison with your team, you, it's not. You don't need to agree to work out how Everton are going to play. Right? It, it, just park the bus and then hit them on the yeah, break. It was just, it was just, you know, going back to where we started from. The frustrating thing was on. Uh, Saturday was when we can see goals. It's when the opposition break at Goodison and we sort of lose our shape defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, Stoke, Leicester, Man City in the uh, the Capital One Cup. Saturday was just pure and simple, not setting it setting right up yeah. for the corner. And what you said was before was spot on. You can point the bl- blame at individuals like Rob Les or maybe McCarthy, mm-hmm. but it was the whole the way the whole team yeah. collectively set up for the corner was what, strong. What I will say on that, Gav, though, again, I'm not conscious of being overly pessimistic and negative but if West Brom had had anything about them they could have scored them again you know because yeah. we were so over committed and admittedly we had to be I'm not knocking yeah. that but there was a couple of times when they didn't even look like they wanted another goal 
a couple of one twos, and they were in with a bit of attacking and intent. Rondon, who's you know a half decent centre forward, yeah. but they didn't want to know. They had what they came for, courtesy of us shooting ourselves in the yeah. foot. Yeah. Well, they would have been at the point themselves. They'd have taken the point all day. And the worst thing about it on Saturday was, if we'd have scored reasonably. Early, yeah. you knew we'd score two. Yeah. yeah, you know. But if we, as I said, as we as we harp on every single week, if we're all saying it, the fans are saying it, the pundits, everyone's saying it. Why can't the manager? Why can't the manager get that balance at home? Why can't he? It's plain and simple. He should be able to get that yeah. balance right at home. But he can get it away, but he yeah, can't get the it. Mar- away. The marking at the corner wasn't on Saturday. That was that. The whole game. But well, it's, it's not just the, just just the marking. It's this is all season. Everton yeah. have played like this at home. I don't think all that, season. I don't think I don't think Saturday was like a typical home game for us this season. Where well, Swansea got... plays exactly the same. I thought yeah, that Swansea was a bit more. I thought we had a bit more of ours in the first half. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they, creative wise, I, I think it's exactly the same. Passing, sideways, sideways, passing. No, no, it was, but especially in the first half. We had a lot, a lot more about us than against Swansea. Swansea, I remember, it was just, it was just awful. <laughs> mm. I, ju- I just, I, I'm bored of Everton at home. Really bored of them. I seriously am. I, I think the majority of fans are, to be honest. I think the season ticket holders and the fans that turn up to watch Everton are good at some part of the season. They've been left shortchanged. But if we were having this conversation last week, we thought, I mean, I didn't do last week's podcast, it was all like really positive, wasn't it? You know, it's just like, we just beat one of the worst teams in the league, that's the reason no, why. We won three on the bounce, three nil, hadn't we? I mean, at home. Yeah. That was the difference. Yeah, do you know what I mean? At home, we've been disgusting. Well, there you go. <laughs> if you're not ready to slash your wrists just yet, we'll be podcasting later on in the week as well. <laughs> there, is a, there is a positive coming from this week. We're away from home on Saturday. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. No offence to the old lady, but sometimes you can get tired of looking at her. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. And uh, like I say, we will be back to uh, depress their life value later in the week. Thank you.